Chapter Two, Part One of Kokoro: Hints and Echoes of Japanese Inner Life by Lafcadio Hearn. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine. Chapter Two: The Genius of Japanese Civilization, Part One. Without losing a single ship or a single battle, Japan has broken down the power of China, made a new Korea enlarged her own territory and changed the whole political face of the east astonishing as this has seemed politically it is much more astonishing psychologically for it represents the result of a vast play of capacities with which the race had never been credited abroad capacities of a very high order the psychologist knows that the so-called adoption of western civilization within a time of thirty years cannot mean the addition to the japanese brain of any organs or powers previously absent from it he knows that it cannot mean any sudden change in the mental or moral character of the race such changes are not made in a generation transmitted civilization works much more slowly requiring even hundreds of years to produce certain permanent psychological results it is in this light that japan appears the most extraordinary country in the world and the most wonderful thing in the whole episode of her occidentalization is that the race brain could bear so heavy a shock nevertheless though the fact be unique in human history what does it really mean nothing more than rearrangement of a part of the pre-existing machinery of thought even that for thousands of brave young minds was death the adoption of western civilization was not nearly such an easy matter as unthinking persons imagined and it is quite evident that the mental readjustments effected at a cost which remains to be told have given good results only along directions in which the race had always shown capacities of special kinds thus the appliances of western industrial invention have worked admirably in japanese hands have produced excellent results in those crafts at which the nation have been skilful in other and quainter ways for ages there has been no transformation nothing more than the turning of old abilities into new and larger channels the scientific professions tell the same story for certain forms of science such as medicine surgery there are no better surgeons in the world than the japanese chemistry microscopy the japanese genius is naturally adapted and in all these it has done work already heard of round the world in war and statecraft it has shown wonderful power but throughout their history the japanese have been characterized by great military and political capacity nothing remarkable has been done however in directions foreign to the national genius in the study for example of western music western art western literature time would seem to have been simply wasted footnote one in one limited sense western art has influenced japanese literature and drama but the character of the influence proves the racial difference to which i refer european plays have been reshaped for the japanese stage and european novels rewritten for japanese readers but a literal version is rarely attempted for the original incidents thoughts and emotions would be unintelligible to the average reader or playgoer plots are adopted sentiments and incidents are totally transformed the new magdalene becomes a japanese girl who married an eta 
victor hugo's les miserables becomes a tale of the japanese civil war and enjolras a japanese student there have been a few rare exceptions including the marked success of a literal translation of the sorrows of werther end of footnote one these things make appeal extraordinary to emotional life with us they make no such appeal to japanese emotional life every serious thinker knows that emotional transformation of the individual through education is impossible to imagine that the emotional character of an oriental race could be transformed in the short space of thirty years by the contact of occidental ideas is absurd emotional life which is older than intellectual life and deeper can no more be altered suddenly by a change of milieu than the surface of a mirror can be changed by passing reflections all that japan has been able to do so miraculously well has been done without any self-transformation and those who imagine her emotionally closer to us to-day than she may have been thirty years ago ignore facts of science which admit of no argument sympathy is limited by comprehension we may sympathize to the same degree that we understand one may imagine that he sympathizes with a japanese or a chinese but the sympathy can never be real to more than a small extent outside of the simplest phases of common emotional life those phases in which child and man are at one the more complex feelings of the oriental have been composed by combinations of experiences ancestral and individual which have had no really precise correspondence in western life and which we can therefore not fully know for converse reasons the japanese cannot even though they would give europeans their best sympathy but while it remains impossible for the man of the west to discern the true colour of japanese life either intellectual or emotional since the one is woven into the other it is equally impossible for him to escape the conviction that compared with his own it is very small it is dainty it holds delicate potentialities of rarest interest and value but it is otherwise so small that western life by contrast with it seems almost supernatural for we must judge visible and measurable manifestations so judging what a contrast between the emotional and intellectual worlds of west and east far less striking that between the frail wooden streets of the japanese capital and the tremendous solidity of a thoroughfare in paris or london when one compares the utterances which west and east have given to their dreams their aspirations their sensations a gothic cathedral with a shinto temple an opera by verdi or a trilogy by wagner with a performance of geisha a european epic with a japanese poem how incalculable the difference in emotional volume in imaginative power in artistic synthesis true our music is an essentially modern art but in looking back through all our past the difference in creative force is scarcely less marked not surely in the period of roman magnificence of marble amphitheatres and of aqueducts spanning provinces nor in the greek period of the divine in sculpture and of the supreme in literature and this leads to the subject of another wonderful fact in the sudden development of japanese power where are the outward material signs of that immense new force she has been showing both in productivity and in war nowhere that which we miss in her emotional and intellectual life is missing also from her industrial and commercial life largeness the land remains what it was before 
its face has scarcely been modified by all the changes of meiji the miniature railways and telegraph poles the bridges and tunnels might almost escape notice in the ancient green of the landscapes in all the cities with the exception of the open ports and their little foreign settlements there exists hardly a street vista suggesting the teaching of western ideas you might journey two hundred miles through the interior of the country looking in vain for large manifestations of the new civilization in no place do you find commerce exhibiting its ambition in gigantic warehouses or industry expanding its machinery under acres of roofing a japanese city is still as it was ten centuries ago little more than a wilderness of wooden sheds picturesque indeed as paper lanterns are but scarcely less frail and there is no great stir and noise anywhere no heavy traffic no booming and rumbling no furious haste in tokyo itself you may enjoy if you wish the peace of a country village this want of visible or audible signs of the new-found force which is now menacing the markets of the west and changing the maps of the far east gives one a queer i might even say a weird feeling it is almost the sensation received when after climbing through miles of silence to reach some shinto shrine you find voidness only and solitude an elfish empty little wooden structure mouldering in shadows a thousand years old the strength of japan like the strength of her ancient faith needs little material display both exist where the deepest real power of any great people exists in the race ghost section two as i muse the remembrance of a great city comes back to me a city walled up to the sky and roaring like the sea the memory of that roar returns first then the vision defines a chasm which is a street between mountains which are houses i am tired because i have walked many miles between those precipices of masonry and have trodden no earth only slabs of rock and have heard nothing but thunder of tumult deep below those huge pavements i know there is a cavernous world tremendous systems underlying systems of ways contrived for water and steam and fire on either hand tower facades pierced by scores of tiers of windows cliffs of architecture shutting out the sun above the pale blue streak of sky is cut by a maze of spidery lines an infinite cobweb of electric wires in that block on the right there dwell nine thousand souls the tenants of the edifice facing it pay the annual rent of a million dollars seven millions scarcely covered the cost of those bulks overshadowing the square beyond and there are miles of such stairways of steel and cement of brass and stone with costliest balustrades ascend through the decades and double decades of stories but no foot ascends them by water power by steam by electricity men go up and down the heights are too dizzy the distance is too great for the use of the limbs my friend who pays rent of five thousand dollars for his rooms in the fourteenth story of a monstrosity not far off has never trodden his stairway i am walking for curiosity alone with a serious purpose i should not walk the spaces are too broad the time is too precious for such slow exertion men travel from district to district from house to office by steam heights are too great for the voice to traverse orders are given and obeyed by machinery by electricity far-away doors are opened 
with one touch a hundred rooms are lighted or heated and all this enormity is hard grim dumb it is the enormity of mathematical power applied to utilitarian ends of solidity and durability these leagues of palaces of warehouses of business structures of buildings describable and indescribable are not beautiful but sinister one feels depressed by the mere sensation of the enormous life which created them life without sympathy of their prodigious manifestation of power power without pity they are the architectural utterance of the new industrial age and there is no halt in the thunder of wheels in the storming of hoofs and of human feet to ask a question one must shout into the ear of the questioned to see to understand to move in that high-pressure medium needs experience the unaccustomed feels the sensation of being in a panic in a tempest in a cyclone yet all this is order the monster streets leap rivers span seaways with bridges of stone bridges of steel far as the eye can reach a bewilderment of masts a webwork of rigging conceals the shores which are cliffs of masonry trees in a forest stand less thickly branches in a forest mingle less closely than the masts and spars of that immeasurable maze yet all is order section three generally speaking we construct for endurance the japanese for impermanency few things for common use are made in japan with a view to durability the straw sandals worn out and replaced at each stage of a journey the robe consisting of a few simple widths loosely stitched together for wearing and unstitched again for washing the fresh chopsticks served to each new guest at a hotel the light shoji frames serving at once for windows and walls and repapered twice a year the mattings renewed every autumn all these are but random examples of countless small things in daily life that illustrate the national contentment with impermanency what is the story of a common japanese dwelling leaving my home in the morning i observe as i pass the corner of the next street crossing mine some men setting up bamboo poles on a vacant lot there returning after five hours absence i find on the same lot the skeleton of a two-story house next forenoon i see that the walls are nearly finished already mud and wattles by sundown the roof has been completely tiled on the following morning i observe that the mattings have been put down and the inside plastering has been finished in five days the house is completed this of course is a cheap building a fine one would take much longer to put up and finish but japanese cities are for the most part composed of such common buildings they are as cheap as they are simple i cannot now remember where i first met with the observation that the curve of the chinese roof might preserve the memory of the nomad tent the idea haunted me long after i had ungratefully forgotten the book in which i found it and when i first saw in izumo the singular structure of the old shinto temples with queer cross projections at their gable ends and upon their roof ridges the suggestion of the forgotten essayist about the possible origin of much less ancient forms returned to me with great force but there is much in japan besides primitive architectural traditions to indicate a nomadic ancestry for the race always and everywhere there is a total absence of what we would call solidity 
and the characteristics of impermanence seem to mark almost everything in the exterior life of the people except indeed the immemorial costume of the peasant and the shape of the implements of his toil not to dwell upon the fact that even during the comparatively brief period of her written history japan has had more than sixty capitals of which the greater number have completely disappeared it may be broadly stated that every japanese city is rebuilt within the time of a generation some temples and a few colossal fortresses offer exceptions but as a general rule the japanese city changes its substance if not its form in the lifetime of a man fires earthquakes and many other causes partly account for this the chief reason however is that houses are not built to last the common people have no ancestral homes the dearest spot to all this is not the place of birth but the place of burial and there is little that is permanent save the resting places of the dead and the sites of the ancient shrines the land itself is a land of impermanence rivers shift their courses coasts their outline plains their level volcanic peaks heighten or crumble valleys are blocked by lava floods or landslides lakes appear and disappear even the matchless shape of fuji that snowy miracle which has been the inspiration of artists for centuries is said to have been slightly changed since my advent to the country and not a few other mountains have in the same short time taken totally new forms only the general lines of the land the general aspects of its nature the general character of the seasons remain fixed even the very beauty of the landscapes is largely elusive a beauty of shifting colours and moving mists only he to whom those landscapes are familiar can know how their mountain vapours make mockery of real changes which have been and ghostly predictions of other changes yet to be in the history of the archipelago the gods indeed remain haunt their homes upon the hills diffuse a soft religious awe through the twilight of their groves perhaps because they are without form and substance their shrines seldom pass utterly into oblivion like the dwellings of men but every shinto temple is necessarily rebuilt at more or less brief intervals and the holiest the shrine of ise in obedience to immemorial custom must be demolished every twenty years and its timbers cut into thousands of tiny charms which are distributed to pilgrims from aryan india through china came buddhism with its vast doctrine of impermanency the builders of the first buddhist temples in japan architects of another race built well witness the chinese structures at kamakura that have survived so many centuries while of the great city which once surrounded them not a trace remains but the psychical influence of buddhism could in no land impel minds to the love of material stability the teaching that the universe is an illusion that life is but one momentary halt upon an infinite journey that all attachment to persons to places or to things must be fraught with sorrow that only through suppression of every desire even the desire of nirvana itself can humanity reach the eternal peace certainly harmonized with the older racial feeling though the people never much occupied themselves with the profounder philosophy of the foreign faith its doctrine of impermanency must in course of time have profoundly influenced national character it explained and consoled it imparted new capacity to bear all things bravely it strengthened that patience which is a trait of the race 
even in japanese art developed if not actually created under buddhist influence the doctrine of impermanency has left its traces buddhism taught that nature was a dream an illusion a phantasmagoria but it also taught men how to seize the fleeting impressions of that dream and how to interpret them in relation to the highest truth and they learned well in the flushed splendor of the blossom bursts of spring in the coming and the going of the cicada in the dying crimson of autumn foliage in the ghostly beauty of snow in the delusive motion of wave or cloud they saw old parables of perpetual meaning even their calamities fire flood earthquake pestilence interpreted to them unceasingly the doctrine of the eternal vanishing all things which exist in time must perish the forests the mountains all things thus exist in time are born all things having desire the sun and moon sakura himself with all the multitude of his attendants will all without exception perish there is not one that will endure in the beginning things were fixed in the end again they separate different combinations cause other substance for in nature there is no uniform and constant principle all component things must grow old impermanent are all component things even unto a grain of sesame seed there is no such thing as a compound which is permanent all are transient all have the inherent quality of dissolution all component things without exception are impermanent unstable despicable sure to depart disintegrating all are temporary as a mirage as a phantom or as foam even as all earthen vessels made by the potter end in being broken so end the lives of men and a belief in matter itself is unmentionable and inexpressible it is neither a thing nor no thing and this is known even by children and ignorant persons end of chapter two part one recording by expatriate in bangor maine